0: So far as is known, no bird ever tried to build more nests than its neighbors. No rabbit ever worried because it only had one hole to hide in, and no squirrel obsessed because it didn't hide enough nuts for two winters instead of one. And no dog ever lost a night's sleep over the fact that it didn't have enough bones laid aside for its declining years. And yet... We live in a time and culture where a myth is so prevalent it's never questioned, and it is, that we always need more things and we never have quite enough money. Not only is it difficult for parents to help children distinguish between needs and wants, it's hard for most of us adults. The trick of marketing is to make us think we need something as opposed to just wanting it. I may want a Diet Coke, but I never need one. I saw an ad recently that said, the clothes you wear reflect on who you are. Superficially, that may be true, but no. What you give has to do and reflect with who you are. We know we should reflect more on how God sees us and how God wants us to live and give Too many people are only thinking of themselves over and against the good and well-being of others. And greed seems to be gaining traction in many people's souls and lives. A young man from a very wealthy family was about to graduate from high school. It was the custom in that affluent neighborhood for the parents to give the graduate an automobile. Justin and his father had spent months looking at cars, and the week before graduation, they had found the perfect car. Justin was certain that the car would be his on graduation night. Imagine his disappointment when on the eve of his graduation, Justin's father handed him a gift-wrapped Bible. Justin was so angry, he threw the Bible down and stormed out of the house And unfortunately, he and his father never saw each other again. It was the news of his dad's death that brought Justin home again. As he sat one night going through his father's possessions that he was to inherit, he came across the Bible his father had given him. He brushed away the dust and opened it to find a check dated the day of his graduation in the exact amount of the car they had chosen together. Isn't it funny how some people are driven by greed rather than need? And when it comes to the future and our desire to secure it, it is also interesting how many people spend more money on life insurance than on their pledge and annual giving to the church. I agree with Douglas Brower who says, giving is at root a spiritual matter. It's not a budget matter. It's not a matter of dues. It's a very personal, spiritual matter having to do with gratitude to God for what we have been given and trust that God will see to our needs. When giving is low or drops as a percentage of income, it's possible that gratitude and trust are in short supply. Some people point out the shortcomings of the church as an institution, and some find fault with individual leaders. And at certain times in history, that makes sense. After all, the church is made up of human beings, and at times, we're all capable of disappointing one another or actually doing something wrong. I get all that. But to use that as a reason not to give or to give small amounts, misses the point on giving. It puts blame on other people's irresponsibility rather than a focus on our relationship with God and our need to give. As we have been lifting up, when it comes to stewardship, you don't begin with other people either to find fault or to compare yourself you don't even begin with yourself. You begin with God. Later this week, after you have received uh, a letter that will be coming in the mail, I want you to do something to truly start with God. Because that packet will have all your stewardship materials. I want you to take a minimum of five minutes, more if you can, but I want you to take five minutes to focus on God the ways God has touched your life and the ways God continues to touch you and others around you. And then either in prayer or meditation with a heart of gratitude and a pledge card in one hand and with the other hand open as a sign of of receiving and giving gifts, ask, God, help me to do what you want me to do as part of living, giving. And I, be, I believe God will help you. And if we all do that, we'll be starting with God and not money. And my hunch is we will feel good about giving more to the work of God through the church. Because the neighborhood church has been a force for good and doing Christ's ministry in our midst in our community, and in our world for many, many years. And your pledge, your financial support has less to do with the 2021 budget than with your hopes and dreams for our church and how God will use us in the future. As Christ's body in the world, we want our church to remain strong and vital through and beyond this current pandemic. To reflect on these things and to ponder our real meaning for living is so important. Now, with the Los Angeles Lakers NBA championship and the Dodgers winning the World Series, one of the expressions you may have heard lately is, there is no I in team. Well, Michael Moorhead and I really believe this because we so, so much value the ability to be together in team ministry here at the Neighborhood Church. And that is such a special gift because it's not about either one of us. It's not about an individual. It's about what we all together do, and that includes all of you because truly we are all ministers here at the Neighborhood Church. And so um, I've asked Michael if he would be willing to share some thoughts about why the Neighborhood Church is so special and uh, why it is such a blessing in his life. So, Michael, if you'd be willing to share a few thoughts, I'd really appreciate it.
1: How has the Neighborhood Church been a blessing to me? Perhaps a better question is, how has the Neighborhood Church not been a blessing to me? These beautiful grounds, this magnificent building, the incredible view we have, all that is an incredible blessing. And when I come into this building and walk on these grounds, I definitely feel the presence of God. But the biggest blessing that comes to me from the neighborhood church is you, the members and friends of the neighborhood church. And I particularly want to point out, a group of people that are a member of our family, and that is our staff. Our staff has been enormously concentrating and working very hard to make our church, as much as it can be in these times, a real church, an operating church, a functioning church. And that is a, an incredible job, and we don't get to see it all that much. But they're there. And they're working very, very hard. Now, the blessings of this church have come to me in a time of personal difficulty. I am battling with a very serious disease. I'm winning right now, but I don't know what the future will come. But that's no different than many of you. You are battling with diseases, and we're all battling with this COVID virus that's overtaking us. The irony of all of this is that when this church is needed most in these troublesome times, the financing and the backing of the church is diminishing. I stand here every day that we take this service and I look out at a completely empty sanctuary. We would love to pass the offering plates, but there will be no offerings On Saturdays, the sanctuary used to be full of people excited and happy about weddings that were about to take place, and they don't happen. So it is in time of need, and perhaps greater need right now, that we need your help. We need your help to keep this church as the place that we love, and yes, do receive so many blessings from. So I'd like to ask you personally that if you have never pledged before to this church, please do so now and do so generously. And if you have already pledged in the past to this church, please consider raising the amount of your pledge because the time is now. The the need is there now and we need your help. We can never let, this virus defeat the mission of this church. We can never let complacency defeat the mission of this church. And if you do, as I have personally asked you to do, then you will truly answer the call of God to listen for that call, hear that call, and then respond to that call generously and with your heart and feelings. That's all anybody can ask, and that is what I'm asking you. And I would like to thank you for all the blessings you have bestowed upon me and upon each other. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michael, for sharing such a heartfelt um, uh, message about what the church means to you and what it means to give as part of uh, our relationship with God. So now I'd, I'd invite you to listen to the Apostle Paul and a few verses of Ephesians chapter 1. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we might live for the praise of his glory. And God has put all things under Christ's feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills all in all. He is the one who fills all in all. When we see God's living, giving presence in our midst and in the lives of others, then we know it's all worthwhile. Jesus knew all too well the negative side of the ledger. He knew the things others can do to hurt or take advantage of us. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you and defame you on account of the son of man. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And if anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away from your goods, do not ask for them again. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Life is unfair. It always has been and it always will be. Yet, we are not to compare ourselves to others or to repay others the way we have been treated. No, we are called to do good and what's right, even if it's painful or sacrificial. After all, that's what Jesus did. In the Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are the poor. And he also says, woe to you who are rich. Now, I don't think he was saying we should try to be poor any more than he was trying to say we should be wealthy. He constantly taught and lived out Giving, living. You know, when any of us are doing well financially, we usually say something like, we are so blessed, but that's simply not so in God's economy. And when, while many people do equate being well off financially with being blessed, it's just not the case here in our text. You see, in God's economy, blessings are counted in other ways. If you want to be blessed, be a blessing to others. If you want to receive, give. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The great reformer Martin Luther once wrote, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hand, that still I possess. And as the eminent preacher Henry Ward Beecher put it, We would so live and labor that what came to us as seed may go to the next generation as blossom, And what came to us as blossom may go to the next generation as fruit. Rooted in love. Growing to give. Friends, that's giving living. And when it comes to stewardship, giving living is about your need to give, And my need to give. It's not about my need to ask you to give. It's about our need to give individually, as family units, and collectively. As together, together we are the body of Christ at work in the world. It's been well said. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Giving Living. Now, those are two words that, that go together. Greed living, getting living, those words don't really fit. They just don't go together. Giving, living. Jesus did, and he calls us to do the same as we join in the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen.